Well, a very good afternoon and welcome back to the Saturday Sports Show here on CRCFM. Now it's time to turn our attention towards the world of Manchester United. They have been dominating the sporting headlines for some time now. And unfortunately, it has been for all the wrong reasons with off the field antics and issues with ownership coming to the forefront in their home fixture against Liverpool a number of weeks ago, resulting in the team being barricaded into their hotel and on the field losing in the Europa League final to Unai Emery's Villarreal side. It has been a a difficult year for the Red Devils, yet they are still in Champions League qualification position for next year. And that will surely augur well for the development of what is essentially quite a young side. Well, to discuss this, I'm joined by Mayo Mann and Manchester-based journalist Damien Malloy. Damien, many thanks for joining us here on CRCFM. Hello, Queen. How's things? Nice to speak to you. If I can begin with the issue that surrounded the Manchester United team being barricaded into their hotel a number of weeks ago, it seemed to kind of grow from nothing. There was very little coverage online when there usually would be due to the era of Twitter and social media. And this is unfortunately due to the social media boycott that occurred that weekend. From your perspective, being in the city, following the team, Damien, what was it like that day and how have things settled since? Um, what I would say is that things gathered pace quite quickly, Quivin, and I think what we realised with the um, kind of rollout with social media and people being able to communicate via Twitter, Facebook, other social media outlets, the kind of the movement, as it were, uh, the undercurrent, the underbelly of very unhappy Manchester United fans, whether from Manchester or from overseas, um, you know, uh, all over the world. People are very upset and have been upset for a very long time away uh, that the way the club is being run, uh, the way the club is being owned, the kind of the setup of the club, the debt that the club uh, has hanging over their heads, um, the fact that, you know, football, soccer has always been um, the working class man's game. You know, it's always been kind of there for, for the masses to go and, and have a day out with the family. And it's slowly being taken away from us. And we're seeing that more and more with Manchester United. And we're, we're annoyed and we're peeved off with that. And we, we want our game back. We see the way the games run on the continent, uh, particularly in Germany with the 50 plus one, uh, the way their clubs are run. It's in, in the England and particularly in the Premiership, um, that the, you know, the clubs are being run in a very bad way. They're run as a business. They're solely run for profit. It's all about merchandise. It's all about getting the, um, you know, the money in and, and the gates in. And it's not kind of about the enjoyment. And we've just had enough, basically. So um, development uh, happened quite quickly. The protest began. And I guess the rest is the rest is history because it was, um, you know, it was sort of shone across the globe. And, and I'm sure you guys seen it there in Mayo. Yeah, it was a huge event, really, something quite unprecedented. In terms of the reaction since, uh, it's been followed up by some less than inspiring uh, performances, most recently in that Europa League final that I mentioned. Not the end of the world, losing the continental second competition, especially when Champions League football beckons. Is there a distinct possibility that fans will be satisfied with general on-the-field success in terms of requalifying for the Champions League and hopefully trying to push on and maybe make a push for a league title uh, in some p- point into the future? 
Yeah, I mean, with, with that, I don't think we're a million miles away. I think there has been progress. I mean, you look at the fantastic season that Liverpool had last year. I think we finished 33 points behind them. I think we finished 12 this year, 12 or there or thereabouts behind Manchester City, the blue half of the city. Um, we're still we're still a way off, but there has been progress. The one concern that Reds have got, United fans have got, is that this this kind of falling at the last hurdle for Oli, uh, for Solskjaer in terms of um, finals or, or semi-finals, as it were, before we got to this final. Um, we just didn't turn up the other day against Villarreal and um, we couldn't. Um, compete with the fact that they set very deep and they set up with a very strong unit. Emery clearly had a point to prove to the British press and, and, and fans and premiership fans across the globe. And he'd done that, you know, fantastically. He had a perfect game plan. We couldn't break them down. We had no creative spark with Bruno Fernandes or Pogba. And we, we, we weren't good enough. It's as simple as that. We should have had enough to beat them over 90 minutes and we didn't. And this is the seventh best team in La Liga who in my lifetime, this is the worst the league has ever been. Barcelona are going backwards, Real Madrid, I think the first time. Spain haven't got a representative from the Real Madrid squad in, God, my lifetime, certainly. Um, and we finished second in arguably the most competitive league in Europe and we're still not able to beat them over 90 minutes. So in short, I think we have made progress. Um, Oli does need to get kind of the, 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 the thing off his back of winning a trophy. Um, we've had some great performances this year, particularly against the top teams, but that doesn't take away the fact that we've been very poor against some of the teams in the relegation zone. So consistency is the key. I think with two or three more signings, we'll be closer. Um, but I guess in the plain light of day, if you look at Manchester City and even Liverpool to an extent, they've had a bad season, but they've had lots of injuries. United are still, still a little way off the mark for, for sort of competing for big honours. How crucial will it be for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get the backing from the board in terms of investment back into the squad to actually realise some of the lofty, ambitious dreams of its supporters and, I guess, of the footballing uh, fans around the world who expect Manchester United to be in Champions League finals as opposed to Europa League finals? Yeah, good question, Quivy. And I think um, the investment needs to be there this summer. We're missing a, a, a striker, although we've got Cavani, who's been an absolute revelation uh, on an extra one year. We need a Harry Kane of this world. Whether he'd come to us over the likes of Manchester City or other teams, it's, it's going to be difficult to pull him in. Um, we've never really struggled with the big transfers. Um, what we've struggled, I guess, with is the consistency of getting players to fit into the squad. So... Um, I think we will get the back in. Um, in an ideal world, I'd love uh, uh, Jordan Sancho from Dortmund. I think he fits the mould of Ollie's young uh, attacking. Um, in a sense, English players as well. You know, they've had Rashford, they've had Greenwood, the emergence of Mason Greenwood come through. I, I like that kind of uh, thing about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's style of play. But um, I think we will get the back in this year. Um, I think dialogue with the club will be better. It needs to be better. Um but timing is everything. I mean, we're being told now moving away again from football matters. I mean, we shouldn't even be discussing things like Edward Word and the finance side, but we have to now as football fans because it is part and parcel of being a football supporter, a soccer supporter. Um, you have to know what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm hoping there will be investment there, but only time will tell. This window is key for Ollie, though, that's for sure. Has the resignation of Edward Word maybe satisfied some of the Manchester United fans who have been upset with his 
I suppose, lack of ambition and directness in terms of finding and buying players, which you mentioned there, the likes of Jaden Sancho that was missed out on last year? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem we've got here, Cuevin, with Woodward, is he's a very good kind of businessman. That's why they employed him, you know, to do the numbers. But the problem is he's not a football man. If we go back to the glory days, and I don't want to sound, um, for want of a better friend, uh, phrase, and apologies to all my Liverpool fan friends, but sound like Liverpool fans living in the past a bit, maybe not so much now since they've won the league and the Champions League. But if you look at the days of Alex Ferguson and David Gill, they were hand in hand. Um, Alex Ferguson was hugely successful due to David Gill and vice versa. They were a great partnership. Um, David Gill, when he was in charge of the purse strings, he really helped with that side, some great acquisitions and signings. Um, Ed Woodward's been terrible from day dot. There was an issue with, I think, um, Herrera and a fax going over to a team in Spain. There was an issue with David De Gea. Um, there was the signing of Fellaini where we paid way more over the odds. There was the Juan Mata signing. He just doesn't seem to have the kind of business acumen um, to go into the football side of things. Undoubtedly a fantastic business person in, in, in a normal business world. But football's not normal. You're dealing with big personalities. You're dealing with agents. You're dealing with fees. Um, so I, I think it was kind of a welcome that he is leaving the club, but then it's a case of who are we getting in to fill the void? And not only that, you know, the terrible timing in line with the, you know, the introduction of this absolutely farcical idea of a European Super League. And then obviously the Glazer out protest. So it all just came to um, a, a snowball effect. Timing wasn't great, but I guess on the whole, as Manchester United fans within the city on the red side, we are um, we're happy that he's going because we don't feel he's um, he's a suitable candidate for that role. In terms of the on the field play, it has been characterised, I guess, by the unbelievable signing of Bruno Fernandez, who has perhaps carried the load of many of his teammates and helped them eke out victories. He has come under fire and criticism from former Manchester United midfielder Roy Keane for his antics on the field in terms of his expressive way that he shows his displeasure at his teammates. Is that something that galvanises the Manchester United fans around him or are many supporters looking at him and thinking he should be giving a lot more and unfortunately he disappears in big games? Listen, Roy Keane will say what he wants. Roy Keane came from a very different era of a footballer uh, where the play acting and things like that weren't as prevalent. They were still there in the in the early 90s, mid-90s, early 2000s. But Keane certainly says it, how, he, how he sees it fit. Listen, without Bruno Fernandes, Manchester United would be in a lot worse position. Let, let's have it right. Um, he scores a lot of penalties, okay, but his assists, his contribution, his overall um, attitude to the game. This is a guy who's come from sport in Lisbon. English isn't his first language. He's fitted in perfectly. You can see the way he kind of um, encourages, shouts, call it what you want, belittles his, 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 his teammates, but it's because he wants the best out of them. And that's what winners do. And Roy Key knows that more than anyone. He drove us to numerous Premier League titles, FA Cups, uh, Champions Leagues, you know, one of the best one of the best captains um, Manchester United's ever had. And I'm sure you'll appreciate it as well, being a, a big Ireland fan, Cuevin. Um, you can appreciate what he's saying. Um, listen, we could do with a lot more Bruno Fernandes is in the team. The, the general consensus among Manchester United fans is he's fantastic and it's a pleasure to have him play. And we were quite lucky in a, in a sense that no one else went in for him because he just went under the radar. He came in and fitted in perfectly. So more than happy with what he's contributed. I didn't turn up in the final, but he wasn't the only one. 
The only player who did turn up in the final for me was Scott McTominay. I thought every one to a man was very poor, whether it's because of the catalogue of games they've had, uh, call it, you know, uh, being lethargic or, or, or burnt out. But listen, it's a final. It's 90 minutes to get your hands on some silverware before your opponents across the city potentially win three trophies. So no excuses, but... Um, you know, more than happy the United fans on the ground in Manchester with Bruno Fernandes and his acquisition. It was an unfortunate night for Spanish goalkeeper David De Gea, one of the major legacy signings of Sir Alex Ferguson that is still in the starting team. Is it looking more and more likely that he will be departing Old Trafford sooner rather than later? It's a funny one with De Gea. Um, again, he's another one. During the Moyes, the Van, Van Gaal years, if we didn't have David De Gea, we'd be finishing 12th, 13th in the season. You know, he was unreal. He won the Samat Busby Player of the Year, I think three years in a row, which is great, but it's not really where Manchester United want their Player of the Year winning in that position in goal, in, in, in net, you know, save, saving shots. You want, you know, someone attacking, winning that award. But it was disappointing the other night. Um the penalties, I mean, it was it was an unreal, unreal uh, penalty shootout. I've never seen the, the, the standard and the quality of penalties from both teams was unreal. But he didn't look confident on saving any of them penalties. And I mean, I know as a goalkeeper, you'll always kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, if he saves it, it's luck or it's fair play. But he just didn't look like he was going to save any. And then it's come out in the press recently uh, that the goalkeeping coach told him to go, I think, left on three occasions and he went right. So he wasn't taking on advice. He's not saved the penalty since 2016. Dean Henderson, who's his uh, understudy or who's his, um, you know, above him or call it what you want, the competition for the number one spot. He saved six penalties uh, within that time frame. So it was a strange one I thought starting him. Uh, Ollie obviously had faith in him. He's been at the club a long time. Do I think he'll move on? I'm not sure there's room for the two of them next year. I'm not sure one of them will be happy to be on the bench. Uh, the Euros will play a big part. Um, I presume he's going to the Euros, so if he has a good tournament, who knows? But I don't think that the two goalkeepers, Dean Henderson and David De Gea, will be at the club uh, at the start of next season. I can't see it myself. Finally, Damien, can I ask about the reaction to Marcus Rashford's activism? Do you believe it's a generational shift where we're seeing players now using their platform to try and call out some of the, the I suppose, nasty things that have been taken for granted and accepted as the norm within football, most notably in terms of racism? Is this something that is getting more and more support beyond the city of Manchester? I think with the case of Marcus Rashford, what we have here is an absolutely incredible human being and young man. I mean, he's still a very young man and uh, what he did during the lockdown period, I'm sure it did hit the Irish press, but it was absolutely massive over here in the UK with providing um, free school dinners for children and kind of basically lobbying in Parliament against the big politicians and saying that, you know, this needs to be uh, reintroduced within the budget and helping with that. Um, he's a man who speaks from uh, experience. You know, he grew up in a, um, you know, a, a tough environment where money was scarce and things like putting food on the table was scarce. And he's also been an activism for things like you say, like racism. He got uh, absolutely targeted the other night, disgustingly, from some very sad individuals. I wouldn't even call them football fans. So he's bringing that to the forefront. And I think you're right, uh, Quivin. I think it is a generational thing. What we're seeing now is this this kind of old attitude of. Premiership footballers, they're all stupid. They've all got too much cash. 
they're coming to the front now and they're actually, you can hear in their interviews and their post-match interviews and their podcasts, they're actually intelligent young men um, who've got kind of, um, you know, the world at their feet, undoubtedly, all the riches that can be thrown at them, a lavish lifestyle, etc. But they're coming to the forefront and realising that they've got the platform to be able to influence uh, the young, the younger generation, uh, but also the older generation. So the generation that maybe gets a bit of flack for having these attitudes and um, these kind of uh, thought processes. And he's, he's trying to change that. And, and all I can say is, you know, well done to him and to anyone else who takes that platform. Uh, and we've seen that in the city as well. Rivalries aside, I've heard Liverpool fans, uh, you know, giving standing ovations uh, for, for, for Rashford. Not so much, obviously, in the current climate with no fans in the ground, but just on podcasts and whether you're Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, Manchester United, to, to look at what Rashford's done has been absolutely fantastic. And I uh, take my hat off to him and I think everyone else does as well as a football fan. Is there a fear that there will be a negative reaction to it? Just making a comparison to LeBron James on Fox News, they often reiterate that basketballers should just shut up and dribble. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the narrative, fortunately, that is permeated through the media so far. It is creeping in, though, Quivine. Uh, you're correct, and that's a really good comparative you made there with LeBron James in the NBA. Um, Rashford had a bad game on uh, against Villarreal, didn't turn up. Racist idiots aside, people were saying, you know, he needs to stick to football, he needs to do this. The thing is, if you're doing your bread and butter, i.e. as a professional footballer turning in uh, for performances week in, week out, all the social media stuff and all the other stuff, fans will embrace that. But it's once you're not doing that and you're not scoring or you're not putting in performances, that's when fans start getting annoyed. Um, so I think it is creeping in a small bit. Hopefully it won't get as bad as what LeBron James um, got in the States. Um and possibly you have to look at the bigger picture as well. I think this is bigger than sport. This is about, you know, young people getting food on the table and, and not going hungry. And it was such a big campaign for him to overturn and lobby the government and, and to sort of get that on the table. Um, possibly it's it's a bit bigger than football, like I say. Fantastic stuff. Excellent hearing from you, Damien Malloy, Manchester-based journalist. Many thanks for taking our call and enjoy the weekend sport. Yeah, enjoy, Queen Nice speaking to you. Take care. All the best.